a common story that some of us uh, may have heard before, but by the video, if you listen to the words and understood where the words were coming from, this is a Samaritan woman portrayed um, by this lady. It talks about in John chapter 4 where Jesus encounters this lady, this Samaritan woman at the well. We're going to be in John chapter 4 in a little while, but I have a couple of announcements to make before then. Uh, if, you have, if you were handed a green piece of paper, uh, all the way open and to the right middle side, you can see that the Stop Asking Jesus books, in, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart books, are out there. Uh, if this is the first time that you've ever seen this title of the book. Please do not be scared. Um, all it, it's not we're, not, we're not Stop Asking Jesus Into Our Heart necessarily. It's, it talks about the relationship, and it's a book that deals with doubt and spirituality, uh, different things. I think it's really going to help parents talk with children, uh, because God wants us to know that we we have that relationship with Him. He doesn't want us to guess. He wants us to know. Um, so in, in the very bottom of the middle page, if you can at all help with the football breakfast, we're going to feed the non football team and coaching staff. And if you want to come and you want to serve or you want to come and bring a casserole and you, or you want to bring biscuits and gravy or whatever you want to bring, come and see me, excuse me, and I will, uh, I will direct you in how you can help. Uh, last year, I will tell you from personal experience, it's an early morning, which I kind of like. I find that we find out because there's a lot of coffee that's being brewed at this time. So, um, there are people that were astounded last year that somewhere between 12 and 15 gallons of milk we, we had out for these, this football team. Destroyed is not even the word appropriate to be used. They were eating, they ate some pans. My, my, one of my friends uh, cooked, I think he said, 12 pounds of sausage links. Gone. <laughs> uh, these guys are professionals, okay? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, but that's going to be on a Friday morning. If it, even if you have to work, you say, Matt, uh, can I swing something by before work? Yes, yes, just let me know and let me know how you can help. Um, and I want to do. Uh, Something, one more thing. There's a uh, October 8th. Now, I, I referenced this this morning in 9 o'clock service as a shindig. Has anybody ever been to a shindig before? Okay, you know, a gathering of multiple people with more than one redneck there. It's called a shindig, I think. So, anyway, there's going to be a big party at Connection on October 8th. Please make sure to be here. Uh, I had not actually mentioned this at all uh, about October 8th. I was going to mention it next week, but since this morning happened before first service, I have to tell you, we're going to have a baptism. We have a dunk party on October 8th. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a day that we celebrate our 10th birthday as a church. Uh, we're going to have baptisms. What cooler way, by the way? What cooler way to celebrate what God's doing and baptizing um, people? Uh, and I was approached by two people this morning that said God had been dealing with them about they really wanted to go forward in, in baptism and follow what Jesus commanded us to do. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. You didn't even know we were going to have a baptism coming up. So uh, we have two people at least to dunk. We call it a dunk party here at Connection. Um, and I need, to, I need one more thing from, from the students. Anybody that's in college, uh, if you're pre-med or in doctorate classes, in college, high school, junior high, or elementary school, or even kindergarten if you haven't been here, raise your hand. Anybody, anybody have any teachers in here? Raise your hand. Okay? Alright. So this is, what I, this is what I want to do. In a second, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for us too to hear this message this morning because it can be a little sharp. But we need to pray for our kids and, and the teachers that they have a safe year that the kids learn and the teachers can teach. And uh, they do it in just a way that 
is good and we can, they can gain knowledge to, to further themselves. So if you would just pray with me. God, we thank You for this day and we just ask Your blessing on this service. God, we ask that You open our hearts and our minds that we can hear Your Word. And God, as we go back to the school year and we have students going to school and we have teachers teaching, God, many of them in this room, or as there's coaches or whatever, God, that are going to have an influence on our children's life. God, we lift them up in prayer. God, that you protect the teachers and the students. You protect the schools and our communities. God, that you, you just wrap your arms around us. God, I pray that it is some of our kids that are the light in the darkness for you. And they begin to share it with their friends. God, that, that maybe they start a revival in their school. God, and help us to be faithful and pray. God, we thank you for your good, good love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning I'm going to address something, and I got all of that out of the way because I need to tell you this. This morning I'm going to address something that uh, I don't normally have to address, but everything in this world seems to be uh, in, in a circle, right? We have some ladies, and I work part-time at a shoe store here in town for fun and so I can meet people, and Birkenstocks are back, okay? And I say back because most of the, the high school daughters that come in with their moms, the mom, I usually hear the mom say, I had a pair of these in 1984, and it's just this full circle thing, okay? Uh, you should see the looks that I get from high school or college age guys that love to, they're big gamers and they find out that I have a Nintendo, original gray box Nintendo, that you can put games into and when you push it down, guys, my 90s friends here, you don't have to beat on it, you don't have to blow on the game, it just works. <laughs> it's awesome, okay? Yeah. If you want to come over, I'll charge by the hour. I'm just kidding. Come over and play anytime you want. But I want to address something. There, see, we're going to see something in John chapter 4 today that is making a circle. It never really goes away anywhere in the world, even in our country or wherever. But racism doesn't go away. The attitudes and the actions of the people that are doing whatever they're doing on the eastern side of this country... And, and by the way, the, the, what they're doing over here is just more of an outspoken version than it, it's happening everywhere. Okay, it is. I'm going to share with you a stance that connection is going to take against that. Are you ready? The Bible's against it and so are we. God is completely love. The Gospel is love. My wife came to me this, this week... And uh, those of you that don't know my wife, I just she's she's out there. She's helping with the with the little kids. But I, I will tell you that I married way up, okay, way up. And she came to me this week, and I said, "Hey, I changed my sermon title." And she kind of does one of these. Usually, when this happens, it's it's it was, it was pretty blunt. Now we take our sermon titles and we put them on the big sign out there by the road, so thousands of people pass by it every week. And I can't imagine what this would. Be. What this would bring on. And she, out of curiosity, she goes, What was your sermon title gonna be? God's not racist. <laughs> I figured it was a little mush. But what I did say, I said, I said, I said, it doesn't need to, they don't need to see that word. I don't even want them to see that word that they associate that with us. So I changed our title, and you can see the title of our sermon 
this morning on the very top. It says the gospel is love and it's one of two. Yes, second installment comes next week. And after that, we start into Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart sermons. But Connection's stance against this is going to be a stance that is completely in line with Scripture in that we're against violence and racism. And we stand for love. Period. We have to. Now watch this. I'm sure it's been said before. I didn't Google it to see if it had been said before and or recorded. But I had a thought come across my mind this week. And sometimes that's scary, but this one was pretty good. Okay. Watch this. And this morning we're going to see that Jesus goes through a territory called Samaria. And these Samarian, the Samaritan people were... Jews that were left over there in the country in captivity and they were left there and Assyrian people came in and they interracially married and they had children. Okay, Racism is nothing new. The pure Jews from Jerusalem would call the Samaritan people half-breeds. Oh joy, isn't that fun? Okay, This is nothing new. What's happening today is nothing new. But it walks... A really good line when we see what Jesus does with the disciples. Instead of walking around like a normal Jew would, <laughs> Jesus just walks straight through. Why? Because he had an appointment with a lady. It's not this lady. It's the lady in John chapter 4. It's the Samaritan woman that's at the well. But keep in mind this. Very, very, there's a very slim chance. In fact, I'm looking at a lot of us in here and I know your family and there's probably not a chance. Unless you in this room are 100% pure, genetic Jewish person, you're probably rather glad that Jesus didn't practice racism. If Jesus would have practiced racism or, or segregation or anything like this, we are all in trouble. I don't, want you, I don't want you to leave here this morning. Oh, that's talking about racism at church. No. Talking against it. Because we're going to stand against this. Speaking of things that are going on in our world, tomorrow was the big day. <laughs> I wish I had a welder's helmet. I'd just go outside and just really mess with my neighbors and just look straight up at it. And, no, he's flying his head off. Okay. I, somebody's asked me a lot about what, what are you going to do during the eclipse? And I said, well, I thought about getting in a boat, going to a very large lake, getting all the way in the middle of it just to get away from a lot of people. Right? We're going to see an influx of people. Um, but I, can, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch it. Um, I don't have glasses. If hindsight is really 2020. You know, as a goal of connection, you guys that, that go here, um, you, know, you know that eventually we were going to pay this whole, this whole parking lot in the road that goes around it. And, and it's just a lot of money. <laughs> we're going to have another eclipse in like seven years. I'm going to buy a whole ton of those glasses. And we're going to set, we're going to pave this parking lot in like two days. <laughs> Someone's going to listen to this on the internet and get that idea. You watch. We'll see them on Google. Be billionaires, Okay. But the eclipse is happening. And so this morning somebody goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know what exactly I'm going to do, but I can tell you one place that I won't be. I said, what's that? I said, I'm not going to Carbondale. Too many people, right? Oregon, there's some places in Oregon that have been backed up uh, with cars down the mountain since Tuesday. Last week. Okay? Yeah, it'll be cool. But uh, 
you can hang on for seven more years, we're going to have another one. So, you know, we're good. But this morning, Jesus, we're going to look at what Jesus did. Jesus fought against racism. And watch, watch what He did. He spoke words to defend the weak people. He loved the unlovable, and heaven forbid, He even ate with sinners. I am so glad that Jesus eats with sinners in the Bible. Do you know why? Because that's me. Even in the gutter of my life, Jesus, Jesus didn't die for me on my best day, He died for me on my worst day. He said, Matt, you're never too far gone. By the way, if you've never heard that song, download that one. I hope this morning, if you're, if you're a newcomer at Connection, if it's the first time you walk through our doors, the first time you've met us, your family, we consider you family. Okay, I mean, I'm being for real here. We love you. We know that you have a past because everyone has one, but we're not concerned about what that is. We're concerned in where you're going spiritually and how you're following God right now. But we hope you, above everything, come into our doors and you understand that the gospel is all about everyone. We hope that you're loved. We hope that people are nice to you. And if they're nice, if they're not nice, tell me, please. You can draw them. You know, hand me a description. This person wasn't nice. Just kidding. Okay. okay. You have to learn to laugh. I'm right here. You have to learn to laugh. Thank you, Jake. I love that guy. <laughs> this morning we're going to look at the gospel. And some of you say, man, what is this G word? What is the gospel? What is it? It's a... It's it's all encompasses a lot of things, but it's it's how we can learn about Jesus, learn what He's done for us, affect our life, and change our eternity. All of that in one. But number one, the number one thing that the gospel is about is this. Look at the your first blank on your worship handout. Look at this. The gospel is all about love. It can't not be. The gospel is plain, the gospel is simple, and that's where people get in trouble because they think, oh, God cannot forgive me, it's too easy to just ask Him to, right? Ah, Matt, you you really don't know me. No, I'm really not a good person. I kind of welcome that conversation with people because they have no idea who I am. You have no idea where I've been, you don't know me. We all have a past, but we're not concerned about that. We're concerned about where we're going. Hmm. To walk north. Geography. Ready? Geography lesson. Jerusalem. Down here. Samaria. Big circle. Galilee. Is north. The shortest route, now I'm not a math teacher, but I checked with other sources and I'm right on this. Okay, ready? If you go around something at the same speed as you go a straight line through something, the person that goes in the straight line, that's the shortest point, right? Now, I, I have to say that because we have some people that really listen to every single little bitty word. And if I just said, if you walk around something and you walk this way straight through something, you won't get there at the same time. And someone will always come to me, well, if you're going 26 miles an hour going around this vertex, and all that, I'm going, I don't do math. We're not talking about trains. I'll blow up the track, bro. <laughs> no trains. Okay, but I said at the same speed, going from point A to point B or point A to point B around, you're going to get there faster through a straight line. Well, in order for Jesus and the disciples to get to Galilee and go in a straight line, they had to walk through the country of Samaria. Not okay with pure Jewish people. 
not okay. They wouldn't have stepped foot in Samaria unless absolutely necessary. And I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious. I don't mean to be funny about this. But if there was a Samaritan's house that was on fire, they wouldn't throw a bucket of water on it. These people are not okay. They're not the pure Jews are against them. They thought that they betrayed their country because they married outside of their race. So they're called half breeds. This is racism on the East Coast. This is nothing new. Or maybe more publicized. But Jesus always has an agenda, doesn't he? <laughs> Imagine talking to his disciples. All right, guys. We're going to go uh, up to Galilee. Oh, sweet. We're going to walk around. We're going to walk around the west side. We're going to walk, walk around the east side. Well, we're going to walk to the middle. Yeah. No, we don't. No, we won't. If you do not know where Wayne City, Illinois is, and I pulled out of this driveway, and you were my, my co-pilot, right? and I pulled out into the to Route 15, and you didn't know where Wayne City was, and I said, hey, we're going to Wayne City, and I turned left. And if you know where Wayne City is, let's say I was going to go to left to here, eventually wind around to Toll Road, take it all the way up by Field School, then cut east through the country till you get to Orchardville, then come down Orchardville, blacktop throughout 15, and then go back east. And some of you are going with this map in your head. Okay, he's going the wrong way. Basically, I did this, okay, to get over there. You would know no different. But if I went out here and I put my left turn signal on to go into Mount Vernon rather west instead of east, and you do know where Wayne City is, you go, oh, time out, we're going the wrong way. The point of the matter is this. The disciples knew exactly how to get to Galilee around Samaria. So the first moment that Jesus stepped into Samaria going in a straight line, they're going to go, what is going on? We're going to talk to the, uh, Jesus now. Now keep in mind, every time they made a suggestion to Jesus Christ, they were literally giving correction to what they thought, to the creator of the universe. Excuse me, Jesus, we're going the wrong way. What does he turn around and go? I'm Jesus, be quiet. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. This is intentional. This is why we can see Jesus is so intentional. He so loves, he doesn't, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to blast any idea of segregation, persecution, racism, everything out of their head. He's trying to just erase it. Gone. Because Jesus came for everyone. For everyone. When God, I don't think John later, or before this, John in John 3.16, John was not joking when he wrote, for God so loved the world. If he, if he didn't mean the world, he wouldn't have said the world. If he just meant the Jews, he would have just said the Jews. But look, look in John, look in John 4, verse 1. Look at this. Look at this with me. And Jesus knew the Pharisees. Those were the, those were the up and ups, the religious leaders in Israel, the gold wearing. Remember if they would have had Yeezys or Jordans in this day, the Pharisees would have had them, right? They had the cool robes, the gold. Maybe they, had the, maybe they had the cool... I don't know. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that He was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Now keep in mind, who's, who's the author of this book? John. Not the same one. John the Baptist is the John he's talking about. In verse 2, he says, Though Jesus Himself didn't baptize them, His disciples did. So He left Judea and returned to Galilee. Okay. So he leaves Judea and they're going to go straight through Samaria into Galilee. Alright, these different territories. 
The Pharisees did not like Jesus, didn't like, didn't like his ideas. And he had heard that there was a whole bunch of more people following Jesus all the time and they couldn't stand it. Do you know why? Because if there's more people following Jesus, is there more or less going to their church? He. Can you imagine being a high, holy teacher, Pharisee, and one of your relatives comes? You know, you taught me for a long time, but this guy over here, he's teaching me a lot more. This is like one of the original church battles. And they saw that Jesus was, was baptizing, He was mentoring, He was teaching His disciples and people, and they were growing every day. So He was down here, and He was getting attacked around Jerusalem by these Pharisee people. And it was just Malvin. Okay? A lot of Malvin. If you, if you know the book of John, chapter 4 is quite a bit before His crucifixion. So He had to leave. It wasn't, it wasn't time yet. Okay, for him to do anything. Look at verse 4 with me. Look at this. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, what it doesn't, what it doesn't say is conversation with disciples. It doesn't include this. But watch this. Remember Peter is walking through the marketplace when Jesus is calling his disciples and Jesus looks over to a man and his name starts with an L and he was a tax collector. Remember that guy? Was the hated among hated. And he's Levi. Jesus says, Come follow me. Can you imagine? Do you remember what we talked about that? When that happened, remember what I said Peter said? Oh, not him. Right? Peter, Peter has the Peter's the outspoken. We're gonna see something that he probably says. But watch this, you got a group of guys, but you've also got one that used to be out there. He used to be the unloved. To be loved is to be known. To be known is to be loved. We have a guy that used to be a tax collector that used to understand what it was like to be unloved and Jesus accepted him and he steps into Samaria. I think he has a different opinion on these people than the others. And maybe he's more open. But look at this. I get asked all the time, Matt, how in the world... And I'm, listen, I'm not an apologeticist. What that means is you can defend the Scriptures to nth degrees and they study for years and years and years and years and years. I had a seminary professor who had studied apologetics for 50 years on the doctoral level. He, I mean, it was crazy. But they, they asked me, how in the world can you believe that this Bible is true? Number one reason why somebody doesn't want to believe the Bible is true is because the Bible is convicting them and they have to change. But number two, watch this. This is how I can. Verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. Google it. It's still there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it actually existed. Why did they include towns? Because that's where they went. Now, this is the best part. If you've been in our connect groups and we're into Exodus, we're into uh, the Ten Commandments part right now, so we're going back to chapter 20 this, this coming week. But look at this. Near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Huh. Near the field that earlier in Scripture in the Old Testament, it has this story. And look at verse 6. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So Jacob's well is in Sychar. Cool. Google it. You can find it. And that's why the validity of the Scripture, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, have any, it doesn't have any loopholes. You can't find this, and you can't find this, and you can't find, and you can't find this. Listen, 
very seldom, Mike Davis taught me this a long time ago. He said, if a person comes up to me and tells me that they do not believe in the Bible, that they can't trust it, he said, the number one thing that I would ask them is this, have you tried? Have you, have you had the Bible? Can you, can you prove the Bible wrong? See, we put that shoe on that foot. It's a little bit shaky. Look at verse 7. Jesus, so Jesus comes into town. It's at noon and He sits down. Now this is really cool because we see, we see in verse 6 that Jesus is tired. What does that tell us? He's human. This, we can read Scripture and just blow by it. Or you can look. So Jesus, the purest Jewish person ever, sitting in the middle of Sychar, at the well, at noon. What's he doing? He's waiting. He's by himself. Well, the disciples, they're getting food. We'll see, we'll see that in here in a second. Soon a Samaritan woman. Oh. I don't think, I don't, I don't I mean, we were not told, but you think Jesus sat on top of the well or he sat beside the well? Okay, so it says beside. He said beside the well. Yeah, beside the well about noontime. So what if he sat on this side and there's a well and the Samaritan woman came from this way? Does Jesus know she's coming? Yes, this is why they went through Samaria, okay? So Jesus on this side, I just like to play these stories in my head. Jesus sitting on this side, here's the well, and the, and the woman from the Samaritan woman comes from this way. She can't see Jesus, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine? She comes up, she comes up and gets water, and he goes, Oh, hello. And scares her. And then she suddenly and then she suddenly realizes some things really fast that you can see in here that's very, 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 very important. And watch this. Soon as Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He probably scared the snot out of her. Okay? If Jesus had any sense of humor, that's what you would do, right? You'd hide. And he says, he was alone at this time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Now, I can only imagine this lovely group of twelve... Ordinary is a nice word for these guys. Okay? The complainers, the yellers, the screamers. At one point in time, Jesus calls one of them Satan. Okay? These guys do not have it all together. Yet, Jesus tells them this. He goes, hey... Like doing a line, and he hands. If he hands it to Peter, I'll just show you what Peter does. Jesus goes, "Here's money. I need to go in town to buy some food." And no. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps going down. And it, listen, other than playing a, an original game of nose goes or whatever, it was probably the last person in line that had the money. I don't want to go into town with these people. Listen, they had to go actually, watch this, they had to actually communicate, talk and buy food from Samaritan people. They're not okay with this. Listen, they walk around. Even the disciples knew the right way for a Jewish person to walk to Galilee was to walk around Samaria. And Jesus has the audacity to look at this Samaritan woman and say, please give me a drink. She has no clue on planet earth who she's looking at. No clue. Not at all. Look at verse 9. The woman was surprised. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. A. Jewish people weren't even ever, ever in Samaria unless there was an emergency. B. Jewish people don't talk to Samaritan people. And C. Men that are Jewish do not ever talk to Samaritan women. Doesn't happen. She was surprised. Yeah, that's an understatement. 
Look at it, he goes on. For the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. See, we, we in America, we're, we're talking about all this racial stuff and the violence that's going on on the East Coast. Just take a while, get on Google and study the racial stuff that's going on in the Middle East for the last 2,000 years. You and I have been saved, our country's been saved from a lot of this stuff. Okay, the riots, the violence, look at this. She says to Jesus, now, <laughs> she's playing what we, what me and my sister and my family call the obvious game. Okay? We are in church. You're sitting in chairs. Right? You guys are sitting on stools in the back. Okay, now watch. <laughs> You're a Jew. Jesus is probably like, yep, you got me. <laughs> okay. And they, look, look self-admitting, she goes, and I am a Samaritan woman. <laughs> Jesus probably goes, well, you're two for two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What's the, what's the importance? Watch this. When she says to Jesus, you're a Jew, he hasn't told her he's from, where he's from. He hasn't told her where he was born. He hasn't told her anything about him. So why does, why, how can she tell he's a Jew? By the way that he looks. His appearance. The color of his skin. That's how she knew. And so she goes, you? I can't imagine how funny this would be. You're just like a fly on this well. You are a Jew. She's like, yeah. And I am a Samaritan woman. <laughs> two for two, right? Why are you asking me for a drink? If you're a female... Jesus came to this earth and in this, time in, his, in this time in history He gave women their worth. It was women in the book of Luke that found the empty tomb. It was women that He met at the well on purpose. It was women like Mary and Martha that He spoke into. He healed a lady that had the issue of blood. He spoke volumes of worth into women. In this time in history, you didn't have any. This lady would have been at the bottom of the bucket. Number one, she's Samaritan. That's already a strike against her. Number two, she's a woman. Three, and you're out. And she's got a past, too. Jesus replied this, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. This lady has no clue who she's talking to. Literally, she's talking to the person that if she was a gardener at her house, created the first ones of those flowers in John 1.1. 1, 1. It was Him. It was Jesus. Now watch this. I have a story so you can get this in your head. If you don't know, if you don't know me, I, I, love, I love baseball. I had the opportunity to play at a, at a really high level and just enjoyed this. But I have, I have some buddies that are they were my roommates in college. We were just good friends. We all played ball together. And, and one of them, Jeff, was getting married. Jeff was getting married. So on the day that he got married, he got married at like 4 o'clock in the evening. And he said, hey, I really want to go out and play golf. We'll tee off at like 7.30 in the morning on our wedding. Fine. Cool. Now, you can't just get four of us together and it just be a friendly game of, hey, let's just play some golf today. Everyone is keeping score. If they don't write it down, they got it in their head. But everyone's keeping score. Everybody has to outdrive the other one. So, 
this day, there was only three groomsmen, and there was his wife's grandfather. So there's me, the groom, and another friend of ours, and his wife's grandpa. And he goes, we're going to have a two-man scramble. Okay, keep in mind this guy, and I'm not, I don't care about anybody's age. I've seen some guys that are, that, are, that are older that are very, very good golfers. But typically younger guys can hit the ball farther. Now watch. He suggests that he and my other friend, so these guys are like 30, he, he and him be partners and I can be partners with his wife's grandfather. Because you've played more golf, man. You, you'll beat us. You're better than us. No. This guy, it's literally me against these two guys. This guy, the guy walks up to me, about 6'1", 6'2", shakes my hand, and I went, wow. He was shaking with somebody and went, hmm. <laughs> like, they're really strong. And I shook hands with him, and I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm, yep, you're shaking my hand now, okay. And it's just wild. And he goes, well, he goes, I guess I'll start this show, and I'm thinking, oh boy. Here we are. Here we go. So this first hole is like 450 yards straight. Okay. The moral of the story is, in stereotypical fashion, you would hit a driver. It hits the ball the farthest. Okay. This guy steps up. He's 80. He steps up. He's got a three wood, and I'm going, oh my gosh. Well, at least he may put it in the fairway, and then I'll just try to hit the fairway. And if we can, we can. And if we can't, whatever. No practice swings. The guy didn't warm up. He didn't stretch one time. And I'm thinking, he might break his back in half swinging this club. And then it will just be me because he'll be in the hospital. So he puts his ball down. He gets up. Looks. He literally does this. He goes. Whoosh. And if you've ever hit a shot that sounds like that, I, and I looked and I went, Oh. <laughs> And he absolutely sent a missile down the middle of the fairway about 235 yards with a three-wood. And he's 80. And I'm going, thanks for pairing me up with this guy. You guys are going down. We get to the third hole. And I'm telling you this on purpose, okay? Showing you this relationship that we had. We just talked about golf for three holes. And, and my, my two buddies are playing alongside us, but we're playing on each other's balls and we're on teams. We get to the third hole. Now, Jeff, my buddy that's getting married, knows this hole. He knows everything behind the scenes here. We have no clue. The third hole, Bill is this guy's name. He goes, he goes he's, and he's getting ready to tee off. He goes, I heard you guys like baseball. We're like, yeah. You know, and we're like, what? We play college ball, you know. I got looked at by some major league teams. Really not a big deal. I just didn't want to talk to you about that too loud, you know. Pretty good. And he goes, well, that's cool. He said, I play a little bit of baseball. I'm like, sweet. Great, now I have something to talk about. Then he says the next line. Are you ready? He goes, well, I came into the league in 1955 with the New York Yankees. My buddy Jeff is about to pass out because he's laughing so hard because he knows exactly who this is. This is wife's grandfather. And me and my other buddy are going, the 55 Yankees, huh? And you're talking about the major leagues? And I said, that would mean that you came in with guys like DiMaggio, Maris, and Mantle. He goes, yeah, and Casey Stingle was my manager. Listen, if, if you understand anything about baseball, I just name dropped four Hall of Famers, okay? 
So he goes, I played center field. He goes, I'll tell you a funny story. I was playing center field, and I caught a ball, and I threw the ball. Casey Stingle walked right here, hit him in the back, and two weeks later, they traded me to St. Louis. And I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. He's hit Casey Stingle with a baseball. That's not a good, that's a good way to get traded, okay? So... I said, so now I'm just like trying to buy this story. I'm like, there's no way this is real. This is guys just having fun with us. I said, who'd you get traded for? Anybody like Cardinals baseball? Okay. You recognize this name. You ready? He was traded from the New York Yankees in 1955 for a really unknown guy named Enos Slaughter, who's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm thinking, there's no way. He goes, I said, so, okay, let me, let me track your progress. You were in with the Yankees, trade to St. Louis for a future Hall of Famer. I said, what would you do in St. Louis? He goes, not bad. He goes, I hit just under, under 300. Um, stole some bases. Played a pretty good defensive center field. And I was the 1955 Rookie of the Year for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I said, you're Bill Verdon. And he goes, that's me. <laughs> I was playing golf with the Rookie of the Year for the Cardinals. Had no clue. If you don't know anything about him, if you know about baseball, five years later, three years later, he would get traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates, 1960, when uh, Mazarowski hit the home run for Pittsburgh to win the World Series. Guess who was playing center beside Clemente? Bill Verdon. The dude has an idol of himself. He's a statue of himself at the Springfield Cardinals place. He still goes to spring training and dresses in the Pirates or the, or the Cardinals. He's invited to both clubs. The point of the matter is this. I had no clue that this dude that smoked that three-wood was a rookie of the year for the Major League Baseball. She has no clue what this guy can do for her. She's sitting and talking to the Son of God. No clue. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 11. And she says, Oh, wait a minute. This water that you want. Sir, you don't even have a bucket or a rope. And this well is very deep. It's very arid. They had to go deep for water. Where would you get this living water? I want some of the living water. Because if I don't, I won't have to come back. And she said, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? This right here tells us she does understand stuff about the Old Testament. She does know the people that own this well. She does know where the, what Sychar was founded around in this well. She said, and besides, you think you're greater then our ancestor Jacob, listen, I told a 1955 rookie of the year that I played and got drafted. Who cares? He came in with the Yankees in 55. He's like, oh yeah, okay. He played with a guy that has a record that will never be beat. There will no, there, in my opinion, there will be nobody that will ever touch Joe DiMaggio's in a game hit streak. No way. It's over 50. Good luck. And guys don't play every day anyway. He says, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? How can you be better than this person? Look at the blank on your, on your worship hand. Now look at this. This is why. The gospel is not limited. It's not limited. Jesus is approaching this lady. He's talking to her. It is not limited to your age, other than your age of knowledge, accountability. It is not limited to your race. It's not limited to if you were a drug dealer. I don't care if you've been in jail. I don't care if you've killed anybody. I don't care if you're sitting on death row. The death of Jesus Christ paid for your sins, and you can be redeemed. Period. You're never too far gone. Death is it. Death, you're too far gone. That's it. Nothing this side of death is too far gone. You're like, man, Matt, you don't know me. I would challenge you to get to know me. You'll feel a lot better about yourself when you find out about my life. And some people are like, no, you're just playing. I'm being serious. Look at verse 13. Look at this. Jesus replied. It is like super water, right? 
Anybody who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He's talking about physical water. But those who drink the water I, will get, I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now this is perfect for this woman, right? Yeah! I mean, if I, if I can drink something, this is what she's thinking, if I can drink something and never have to be thirsty again, that means I don't have to come to the well again and I don't have to put up with people's words again. Because people are not nice to me, is what she's thinking. Look, it goes on to the next verse. Look at this. Please, sir, give me this water. Look, she even says it. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back here and get water. Jesus, understanding completely everything about this woman, says one of the weirdest things in the world. This lady just asks him for water. Jesus says this, Come get your husband. I can change this subject rather quickly if I'm talking with you. This is out there. Talking about water, then we're talking about living water, then Jesus says, Hey, go get your husband. Look at verse 17. I don't have a husband. The fact is this. Jesus was confronting her with perfectness. And whenever you put and apply God as your reflection, if you put yourself up and try to look into God's mirror, what will reflect back at you is the things that you need to work on. You're not perfect. Congratulations. Neither is anyone in here. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. But what Jesus was doing is He's kind of holding up this mirror and He's facing it back at this lady. He says, go get your husband. In order to get the living water, she has to confess her sin. In order to confess her sin, she had to know what her sin was. Now, i got a pretty good idea. She knew a lot about her sin. She said, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. Now think about this. She doesn't know Him. She technically doesn't know who she's talking to yet. And she sa- he says, you're right. You don't have a husband. So right here we think, this lady literally in all, in all senses of the words would be called a lady of the night and that would be nice. A prostitute. Somebody that, listen, I don't, I don't care. If anybody, in, I do, I do, it doesn't bother me at all. You go by somebody, if you have friends that married three, four, five, six times, you're kind of like, oh, well, she can't get it together. Listen, just because you have a past doesn't mean it can't be forgiven. Listen, he goes up to her and says, you're right, you don't have a husband. This lady will be considered a pretty rough candidate to be forgiven. Number one, she's Samaritan. Hmm. The gospel is for everyone, though. Look at the next blank. The gospel is for everyone. It's, it's, even, it's even for the lady that gets water at noon that's been married five times is living with another guy right now and is not of pure descent from Jewish people. It's even for her. Look at verse 18 as you guys fill that in. Says, so Jesus keeps going. He goes, nope, you don't have a husband. You've had five. You've had five and this lady's got to be freaking out a little bit because she doesn't know this guy and now he's telling her everything. And he goes, and the dude that you're living with right now, you're not married to him either. How does he know this? You're certainly, you certainly spoke the truth. Watch this. The last part of that verse, we think, oh wow. <laughs> Good job, lady. You didn't lie. Watch. 
Jesus says, you certainly spoke the truth. Keep in mind, every time that you talk to God, He knows the truth whether you speak it or not. Period. He knows the truth whether you speak it or not. And she said, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Again, shows her understanding of, of people and their abilities. Verse 20, So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship where we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? What do you do when God confronts you about your sin? I can show you. She just, she just did it. You, you know what she did? Jesus goes, you've had five husbands, you do not live with the person that you're married to now. And she goes, so why do you guys worship at Jerusalem? You change the subject, right? You change the subject. God says, hey man, I want you to work on this. God, have you? could you just do something about this weather? Mary comes in. Mary comes in and maybe she asked me to do something and I forgot. Hey, did you change laundry over? Supper was great, babe. I'm hoping that that will get me over the hump before being real mad. Right? You, you change, anytime you're confronted with the truth, and here is spiritual truth, she goes, um, subject change, switch. Next. <laughs> Next available discussion, right? Please send me to that department. Look at verse 21. Look what Jesus says. She tries to change it. So he says this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about Him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus uses her question to revert right back to Himself. This is... This is very effective when sharing your faith with people, about sharing about the gospel of Christ. He says, believe me, woman, I'm getting ready to break whenever I die. The Holy of Holy curtains will be torn. God's presence will be released on the whole entire world. He's omnipresent. That's why you can worship in your car and you'd pass me and I have a water bottle. There's a very good possibility that this will be a drumstick in my truck. Okay? And I worship in my car. I worship in my vehicles. I, I, love to, I love to talk to God whenever I go outside and I'm hunting or doing whatever. But he says, he says something right here at the very end. But for salvation comes through the Jews. The chances are really good that if she knew that that was Jacob's well, and she knew that all of that geography around Sychar, about all this stuff, she would have probably understood that in Genesis 12.3, it says this. God promised that salvation comes through the Jews. And in 12.3, He uses the term I. Okay? That refers to Jesus Christ. So watch this. All these are coming together. Then she realizes, oh, oh, that's you. Right? Look, it goes on. Verse 23. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. It just means that God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's doing all this stuff. Uh, Look at verse 25 and 26. This is where it all comes together. Look at this. Oh, this is beautiful. She says exactly the right answers. Notice that a woman that's this far down in life doesn't say one lie. She has no clue who she's talking to. She doesn't lie one time. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. She even names Him. This is good. I know that my redemption is coming. I know that the Messiah is coming to save us. I still have that hope. 
Because the salvation is coming from the Jews. And she says, when He comes, He will explain everything to us. Now right here, there was probably a great big mind click. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. <laughs> she looks across the well. She goes, now wait a minute. This guy's a Jew. He's talking to me. And he just explained everything about my entire life. And then the greatest light bulb in the world comes on when Jesus says this. And then Jesus told her, That's me. <laughs> Hi. You should have imagined or seen my excitement on hole number three in Republic, Missouri, which is, by the way, not a very big town. <laughs> hole number three, we were playing. And he goes, Yeah, I'm the 1955 Rookie of the Year. And I said, You're Bill Verdon. And I put out my hand, he goes, you're pretty smart. <laughs> he goes, how old were you in 1955? And I said, minus 25. <laughs> anyway, even when confronted with the truth, this lady doesn't die. She, show, she has a lot of things going for her. God convicts us, we lie. God convicts us, we change the subject. She was at a place in life where she wanted help. Listen, unless we put ourselves and we humble ourselves, James 4.10 says, if we humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up in honor. If we don't put ourselves there, there's no... We're just kind of... Eh. Yeah. Next week, we're going to continue this story because this lady becomes infected with the Gospel message. And next week, we're going to see what usually happens in the Bible and in our lives when somebody gets infected, injected with the gospel of Jesus Christ is she, right after this, she runs home. And I don't think she did it quietly. Can you imagine going through the gutter of life, somebody meeting you and say, I forgive you. Follow me. She runs back, the words out of her mouth. Come listen to this man who told me everything about myself. Surely this is the coming Messiah. Can you imagine the joy that these half-breeds, racially unacceptable people would have thought, listen, I'm not going to give any kind of glory to what's going on on the eastern side of our country or all over the world. Know this. The Gospel is completely 100% love. Period. I don't care if you're green. <laughs> love. I don't care if somebody's black, white, yellow, tan, and I learned a song one time. Red and yellow, black and white. A precious in His sight. Listen, if Jesus would have practiced the principles that some of these people are justifying today, we would be in a world of trouble for eternity. But He didn't. I'm excited as we get into next week's sermon and we get into the, to the, the following week's study on Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. Uh, if you haven't got a, bo- a book, you can stop and get one as, as you go out. Grab some extra popcorn on your way out. Uh, enjoy this day. I will say I was outside a while ago. It's very humid. Pray for that to change because I like fall. But anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, let's pray. Thank you, God, for everything that you do for us. Help us, God, to be as honest as this woman. Not change the subject. Get real with you. And as a result, get closer to you. We thank you, God, for the things that are going to happen in the next two months of this church. It's amazing. Thank you for the people. You have their time to come and serve here, to attend here, to learn here. 
we love you. God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.